Welcome to Spooky Island Radio and this week's Campfire Stories episode. In these episodes, prepare to be scared and spooked from around my campfire here on Spooky Island. No filler, just fire in these episodes. So it's time to get wrapped up in your blanket and toast some marshmallows and relax with Spooky Island Radio Campfire Tales. first story today is a creepy story about a vengeful spirit from Mexico who hunts down anyone who knows about her existence. I am currently sitting in front of my computer, scared senseless. Every moment could be my last. My friend is here with me, and he is the sole reason why my life is in danger. It may not make sense at first, but let me explain. It all started earlier today when a friend of mine burst into my house and slammed the door behind him. His eyes were wide with fear, and he stood up up there with his back against the door, breathing heavily. I asked him what had happened, and he told me this story. He had been living with his aunt for the past year because his parents were in Mexico. They were doing mission work at a small hospital in southern Mexico. The previous night... A bedraggled man had stumbled through the entrance of the hospital. He was screaming in Spanish and appeared to be out of his mind with terror. They brought him over a chair to let him sit down, and as he caught his breath, he told his story in broken English. He claimed that his sister had been killed by something he referred to as Le Muerto Blanco. He kept saying that it was coming for him next. Confused, they asked him who or what a Muerto Blanco was. With a look of unfathomable fear on his face, he said that La Muerto Blanco was the White Death. She is the soul of a girl who died years ago. She died by her own hand, he said, alone and unloved. She hated life so much that she wanted to remove all traces of herself from the earth. So great was her desire to completely obliterate her memory that she returned from the dead as a vengeful spirit, bent on killing all those who knew of her existence. She is a girl, but not a girl, he said. She's not dead, but she's not really alive. She has cold black eyes that weep blood, She walks without ever actually seeming to move an inch. She stalks her victims like a wild animal, pursuing them across rivers and valleys, trailing them back to their homes. You are never really aware that she is following you until you hear her telltale knock upon your door. She knocks once for your skin, which she'll use to patch her own decaying flesh, twice for your hair, which she'll gnash between her teeth. Three times for your bones, which she'll fashion into clubs, and four times for your heart, which she'll tear out of your chest. Five times for your teeth, which she'll polish and keep in a box. Six times for your eyes, which she'll pluck out one by one. And seven times for your soul, which she'll swallow whole. No matter where you go, the White Death will track you down 
and you will hear her terrible knocking begin on your door. You can try to outrun her, but she's faster than any mortal man. If you flee from your home while she's knocking on your door, she will follow you wherever you go. The terrified man was certain that this thing had killed his sister. He had tried to tell the police about the White Death, but they would not listen, dismissing it as an old wives' tale. Next, he had tried to tell his priest, but the priest immediately shut the door of the church in his face and turned away. The priest had seen the White Death following him, he said, and did not want to get involved. When his with his head in his hands, the frightened man said that the White Death follows you forever until you tell someone else about it. Then it strikes, it kills you, and begins following the person you told. After finishing the tale, the man stole a car from the Mission Hospital car park, and vanished into the night. Apparently my friend's mother and father had immediately called his aunt, and told her about the strange man they had encountered. They asked her if, he had ever, if she had ever heard of the White Death. She said she had not, and they proceeded to tell her the story that the man told them. The aunt got a phone call later that night, it was the Mexican police. They told her that her parents had been found dead outside the hospital, and that they had been torn apart. My friend's aunt had immediately called him at school to break the new bad news to him. As he cried, she told him she couldn't understand what had happened. She recounted the whole story to him telling him about the strange man who had turned up in the hospital just hours before his parents were found dead. She told him now that the man had given his parents a weird and disturbing story about something called the White Death. When he hung up the phone, he had struggled to come to terms with what had happened. It almost didn't seem real to him, and when he got home after school he found the front door of his aunt's house standing open. Inside was a trail of blood leading into the kitchen, and there on the kitchen floor he found his aunt's dead body. She had been torn limb from lip. He ran out of the house and all the way across town, never looking back until he reached my house. As he told me the story, I could hardly believe it. Within the space of a day, his mother, his father and his aunt had all been murdered. It all seemed too far-fetched. But before I could utter a word, my friend and I both recoiled in horror as we heard a knocking begin at my door. We've been staring at the door for an hour now, neither of us wanting to open it. The knocking is still going on, growing louder and louder, she never gives up, she never quits. The Muerto Blanco is unstoppable. I think she wants to scare us, my friend and I. I think that she wants to blame, she wants us to blame each other. And I do, I blame my friend, it's all his fault. He should never have been t have told me about her. As I sit here in my house, beside my friend, both of us listening to that hideous knocking, growing ever louder, I wish a lot of things. I wish he had killed my friend before he reached my house. If he had never told, been able to tell me about her, I wouldn't be in danger now. I'm sorry I ever met him. And I'm sorry for you too. I'm sorry because I made you read this story. I'm sorry I ever told you about the White Death. Because now that you know about her, she's coming for you. My second story today 
is the tale that comes from Korea about a doctor who has a close encounter with a ghost while working late on the night shift at a hospital. In Korea, when a patient is taken to hospital, a white wristband is placed on their left arm. These wristbands contain the patient's name and information, and when a patient dies, a red wristband is placed on their right arm and they are taken to the morgue. In one particular hospital in Korea, a young doctor was working the night shift. It was around 2am when he finished his last operation. He was on the fifth floor and pressed the button to the lift. The doctor was tired after a long day and was looking forward to the end of his shift. At 2am, the hospital was very quiet. Most of the patients were asleep and many of the nurses had already gone home. He entered the lift and there was just one other person there. He casually chatted with the woman while the lift descended. The lift stopped at the basement and the door opened. They saw an old man dressed in a white gown standing there. The old man was about to get in when the doctor suddenly slammed the close button and punched the button for the fifth floor. Why did you do that? asked the woman. I performed a lot of operations, replied the doctor. I've seen a lot of people die, and when a patient dies, they get a red wristband placed on their arm. The woman was silent. You saw it, didn't you? said the doctor. That old man? The old man that had a red wristband on his arm. A red wristband, said the woman as she raised her right arm. You mean, like this one? My final campfire tale today is the story of a young woman travelling home after a party on the last train home that evening. Last year, my company held a New Year's Eve party in the city. When the party was over, I left to catch the last train home that night. I sat down in my seat and gazed out the window at the city lights flashing by. After a while, I saw that the only other person in the carriage was a man in a black trench coat. He was sitting a few rows in front of me and he had his head hanging down. He appeared to be dozing off, and I was quite sleepy myself too and my eyelids started to feel very heavy and it wasn't long before I fell asleep too. A few minutes later, I was jolted awake by the rattling of the train. When I opened my eyes, something seemed different. I wasn't sure, but it seemed as if the man in the black trench coat was one seat closer to me. I thought I was just imagining things and told myself not to be so paranoid, but not long afterwards, I began to doze off again. After a few seconds, I got a strange and unpleasant feeling in the pit of my stomach. I opened my eyes, and this time the man seemed to have moved even closer to me. Still, I couldn't be sure, but it was extremely unsettling. I decided to try and see if my suspicions were correct. My plan was to pretend to fall asleep again, but keep one eye half open just to see what the man would do. He sat there, not moving a muscle. I could feel his eyes staring at me, but he didn't budge an inch. Just as I thought I was about to breathe a sigh of relief, I heard him muttering something under his breath. Listening closely, I could make out what he was saying over and over.
made my blood run cold. My heart started pounding in my chest, and despite being scared out of my wits, I kept my head down, pretending to doze off, and desperately hoping that the train would reach its next station soon. When it finally stopped and the doors opened, I bided my time, and waited for the right moment. And just as the doors were about to close, I scrambled out of my seat and jumped out onto the platform. I heard the doors shut behind me and I turned around, and as the train pulled out the station, I saw the man in the black trench coat standing up, with a strange expression on his face, screaming at me through the window. There was a look of fury on his face, a face that I will never forget. I will always think, was he after me, what did he want? Did it, was he a ghost? Was he just a person? out with some blood that night. I will never ever forget this experience and ever since then I never take the last train home alone. The last thing I remember is him slowly disappearing as the train vanished into the next tunnel. With the campfire now beginning to fade I think I will leave it there for today. I hope you enjoyed this week's scary camp stories and remember to listen out for a full episode of Spooky Island Radio next week. Until then, over and out.